Hello and welcome to episode 574 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always joined by Evan Silva, and we are coming off of the riveting NFL event that is minicamp and OTA season. I'm not sure if you heard, Evan, everyone is in the best shape of their lives. Running backs are lining up at wide receiver. Every rookie looks better than the coaches even expected. All this, of course, with no pads on. How's it going today, Evan? It's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. Um, we'll talk about, we'll try to decipher what stuff is meaningful, what stuff is not meaningful. You know, should we adjust ranks on certain guys? I'm actually on the board 1.01 right now in a best ball mania draft underdog. I'm taking Justin Jefferson 1.01. All right. And we'll talk about some Viking stuff here in a little bit today. As Evan said on today's show, we're going to discuss the news. And I say, quote unquote, news. As I use that term lightly, coming out of OTAs, what's real, what's signal, what do we need to factor into our projections and rankings, and what can we ignore? What's fake news? Before we get into that, reminder that our 2023 Fantasy Football DraftKit Pro is officially live. It's $49.99. It covers everything you need to win your best ball, dynasty, or redraft league. We get asked all the time, ah, how can I support the show? How can we support the show? All these free pods, free content. It's so great. They help me dominate. Best way to support the show is just by checking out DraftKit Pro. Head to EstablishTheRun.com. Hit the subscribe tab. All right. First thing I want to talk about is this Steph Diggs situation, Evan. I was actually out in Chicago visiting you, meeting with some other ETR people, and we're having lunch. And all of a sudden, everybody's freaking out about Steph Diggs because Steph Diggs did not show up to the first day of mandatory minicamp. And Coach Sean McDermott says he's very concerned. I didn't take that very seriously. I thought it was just, hey, listen, the guy's very concerned because they're here for mandatory minicamp. Everybody's here except for Steph Diggs, and they want to start practicing. I didn't take it to be very concerned, like it's some very ominous thing. What was your reaction to the whole Steph Diggs situation? I think it's a situation where you don't want to overreact. I mean, Steph Diggs has been in the offense for multiple years. He, um, you know, he's a proven veteran. You know, I think he's shown an excellent rapport with Josh Allen over the past several seasons. And I don't think he needs to be there uh, for anything, you know, before training camp. Uh, at the same time, there is enough concern that Sean McDermott said that he was very concerned. There have been some sort of, it's it's been unclear exactly why Steph Diggs is not there. Um, there was one rumor that like he had gone into rehab. I don't want to spread that rumor because I don't know it to be true from Adam. Uh, uh, there have also been rumors that he was concerned with his role in the offense and his role in the play calling. Like he is that established veteran and he wants to have a little bit more say when it comes to the direction of the offense. They did change the offense last year a little bit under Ken Dorsey. And it seems as though they're going to change it a little bit more this year because they drafted Dalton Kincaid after signing Dawson Knox to a big deal uh, at the start of last season. Um, I don't know, maybe Steph Diggs has some questions about that. You know, at the end of the day, like Steph Diggs is the clear number one in Buffalo. They really don't have that strong of a wide receiver core behind him. I think ultimately, I, I think everything's going to be fine here. I'm not worried. I, I'm not adjusting him down the ranks or anything like that. I've heard so many different rumors. The one that Evan said about the rehab thing is so funny. I think that got started because he was wearing like a shirt from some rehab center. If you go to rehab, you don't buy the merch while you're there. You don't walk around in, in, with them. It's not like walking around with an ETR merch shirt because you support the squad. You know, I, I thought that one was crazy. I did hear that there was some 
uh, issues between Diggs and Josh Allen around the way Josh Allen played in that Bengals playoff game where they got absolutely smoked 27-10. Josh Allen was really bad in that bang in that playoff game. I believe it was in uh, January. Yeah, January. So, and the other thing that's out there is that he restructured his contract to allegedly help them fit DeAndre Hopkins. And now it looks like they're not going to get DeAndre Hopkins. And he's tilted about that. Regardless, I think all this stuff is noise. I would personally take Cooper Cup ahead of Steph Diggs. Me too. And if you wanted to take uh, AJ Brown or Austin Eckler ahead of Steph Diggs, I wouldn't hate you for it. But I think all those guys are relatively close. I do think Cooper Cup ahead of Diggs um, in round one is my per- my preference. Let's go to the other big story coming out of OTA's actual news was Dalvin Cook getting dumped. I have talked about this uh, ad nauseum a million times. I'm actually already tired of talking about it, but I've not had a chance to talk to Evan about it. So Evan, I think that people want to know from you, what do you think about Alexander Madison? And then we'll get to Dalvin Cook's potential landing spots after this, but what is your outlook on Alexander Madison now? Where would you draft him? And then also the guys behind him, there's a bunch of competition there. How do you think that'll shake out? Been huge on him throughout the process. I think at the, I, I, I tried to go out of my way in the initial top 150 and in the running back tiers to be ahead of him on, in terms of ADP. Actually, I think I had him RB11 in my opening uh, RB tiers. And um, I, I feel really good about his workload. They signed him to a near fully guaranteed contract. Dalvin Cook is gone. Um, their number two back, Ty Chandler, hey, I like him. Uh, as a later round pick, uh, but he's built like a wide out. And I think he projects more as like a change of pace back, um, a speedy change of pace back and an interesting one for the late rounds of fantasy, but not a guy like Alexander Madison, who's like 225 pounds built to be a workhorse. They've got Kenny Wangwu, who is, you know, going to be on the active 53 or the active, uh, what, 46 each week because he plays special teams and then they use the seventh round pick on Dwayne McBride. And I think that they're going to enter camp with those being their four running backs. I don't think they're going to go add a veteran. And if that's the case, I feel really, really, really good about Alexander Madison's projected workload. I know that you know some people out there have talked about he hasn't been like the most efficient runner on a, on a play-to-play basis. His work, but ultimately like his workload is what we're looking at in fantasy. That's what matters most. And in his past opportunities to play in place of Dalvin Cook, who, you know, missed time here and there with ankle, shoulder, that kind of stuff, Alexander Madison was highly, highly productive, and they showed a willingness to give him the ball, you know, over and over and over again. So um, I I love drafting Alexander Madison, even to this point. I'm not sure that his ADP is caught up yet to where he should be being drafted. Yeah, and it's lagging. I mean, I've seen him start going in the 50s a lot now. We have him somewhere between 50 and 55 overall, depending on the site. I think the question that the Madison people have is, is he not good enough for the whole year to sustain a full workload? If you think later in the year that McBride or one of these other guys, Chandler, whoever, is going to end out stealing work, then yeah, it's risky. I think I'm of the belief, and Evan is of the belief, that these guys, these Day three picks, McBride, the special teamer, Keeney and Guacway, uh, Ty Chandler. These guys are not a real threat to Alexander Madison's workload, not just the beginning of the year, which I think everybody feels good about, but also assuming can stay healthy, which is always a problem for a future running back in the NFL. But November, December, I still think Alexander Madison will have that big workload. So I agree with Evan. I like being high, higher than market 
right around the 50th overall, I think is pretty good right now. And that's where we have Alexander Madison. On the other side, Evan, Dalvin Cook has not signed yet. And so people were uh, thinking, oh, Dalvin Cook is this awesome player. He'll get scooped up right away. The Dolphins are into him. Uh, I heard about uh, links to the Jets, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Chargers. I mean, there's a lot of teams in theory that could take on Dalvin Cook. I think he probably overweights what he's worth in the open market, and therefore he's not going to get a deal done anytime soon. What do you think about where Dalvin Cook will land? And honestly, like we have to talk about where would you take him now in fantasy drafts because in best ball, we're drafting now. And if you end up with him as a starter at like pick 100, maybe that makes sense. He could also be totally dusty. So yeah, Evan, what do you think about Dalvin Cook's uh, landing spots here? I've done about 15 drafts at this point on underdog, and I don't think I've got him one time. Uh, It's just, it's a little bit too much uncertainty for me. There have been rumors of him to Miami. I feel like those have been pushed by Dalvin Cook himself, you know, played at Florida State, um, looking for a new home. I don't know that the, the that the Dolphins that that you know that's a, a mutual feeling that the Dolphins are interested in I mean, the the Dolphin, Dolphins running back room like they can absolutely go into the season with Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Devin A. Chain, and Salvin Ahmed, and they've still got Miles Gaskin and feel very fine about that. So, you know, I, I think the the answer is still up in the air. I wouldn't be surprised if Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, doesn't sign before training camp, you know, signs at some point in in training camp. And that leaves a a lot of room for uncertainty. It winds up going to a team where maybe a player gets hurt in the preseason, a player gets hurt early in training camp, and then they feel a little bit of desperation and they go get Dalvin Cook because I don't, I don't think he's going to get the money that he seems to be searching for anytime soon. No, I mean, he's got to come to grips with reality that he's probably not worth more than three or four million on a one-year deal or something like that. He wants way, way, way more than that. But it's something interesting. We have 126th overall in our underdog rankings right now, which is certainly below market. I just think that he has less gas left in the tank than maybe a lot of other people do. And even if he goes somewhere like Buffalo or Dallas or the Jets, you know, he's going to be playing not a full workload type of deal. All right at some beat writer speculation stuff this is not ota news per se but eagles running back situation i think is a very very interesting one bo wolf who covers the eagles for the athletic speculated that rashad penny could start the year on ir not necessarily because rashad penny may still be hurt or whatever but they just have a lot of guys and then people keep talking up trey sermon now evan has made his feelings clear about trey sermon but the backfield now let me set it up andre swift who they traded for penny gainwell who they've shown a lot of faith in, in the playoffs last year, for sure. Boston Scott, Trey Sermon, and Rashad Penny. Well, Wolf's point was that Rashad Penny only has 500K guaranteed in his contract. He's far from a lock to actually make the team. They could stash him on IR, whatever, whatever. Who knows, Evan, how serious do you take this speculation from Bo on Rashad Penny? Well, Rashad Penny has been participating in pre-training camp activities. So, the IR speculation, I mean, that just seems out of out of nowhere. Um, I understand that he uh, fractured his fibula last year and he has a history of injuries, but I mean, he actually has to have an injury to go on the injured list. So, uh, and I understand that the, the backfield is, um, is pretty full on paper right now. You know, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, Boston Scott, 
to me, Trey Sermon is not not really a factor. I mean, we, we've seen him in the NFL, and I mean, he looked like a you know he's running he's running with the piano on his back. So, I mean, I think that Rashad Penny is just as much just as likely as any of these other guys to lead the team in carries. I and and I also understand that his contract. I mean, his, his contract is that of a player who is competing for a roster spot. Right. I mean. Uh, at the same time, like I, I think he's gonna, I think he's, a, I think he's a good runner, like a really good runner, and I think he's gonna lead the team in carries in week one. That that would still be my projection. Uh, at the same time, like I'm drafting the heck out of Kenneth Gainwell. He's my highest drafted player so far on Underdog. Yeah, we'll talk more about Kenneth Gainwell in the next episode. Right now, we are below market on DeAndre Swift by six spots. We are behind market Rashad Penny by about nine spots, and we are ahead of market on Kenneth Gainwell. By about 10 spots. That's, like that's on underdog. That. We do not have uh, Trey Sermon or Boston Scott ranked. And I feel pretty good about how we have the Eagles backs right now. There's just so much fragility. Like Evan said, Rashad Penny being the lead runner for the whole year, all the way to Rashad Penny getting cut, I think is a realistic range of outcomes. And so I have to think about that when you're making your teams, what kind of um, safety do you need in terms of volume in your spot? If you already have a bunch of running backs that have really good uh, safety in terms of workload, maybe you can take some shots on Rashad Penny. Let's go to Ravens stuff. Report out of Ravens OTAs is that Todd Monken, a Silva favorite, has prioritized playing faster and getting running backs involved in the passing game. This is a stark contrast to what the Ravens have done before. Ravens have been one of the slowest teams in the entire NFL. They have not thrown to their running backs at a very high rate at all. I thought more of that was Lamar's style more than the scheme. But anyways, Evan, how much do you buy this Todd Monken faster running backs involved? in the past game stuff. Well, the two biggest buzzwords coming out of Todd Monken's mouth since uh, the Ravens signed him to be their new offensive coordinator have been pace and space. And, you know, he's talked about how he thinks that the league has become um, the, the, you know, the, the big theme of the, the changing of the, you know, the, the, the winds and the tides in across the league is that, you know, you want to use the space on the field more. Uh, and you also want to increase Lamar Jackson's, passing efficiency um, which has been a little bit up and down and one way to do that would be higher percentage completions throws to the running backs if you read Jeff Zrebeck of the athletics latest article he talked about how Justice Hill was a sort of riser uh, in the pre-training camp activities Um, you know Justice Hill has been around we've kind of seen him a little bit and so that's a little bit hard to buy. J.K. Dobbins hasn't even been in attendance mm-hmm. at pre-training camp activities. I think he can catch the ball, but that's ne- never really been like a, a big, a huge part of his game, even going back to college. Gus Edwards, it's been an even a smaller part of his game. Uh, so I was, at first I was thinking that Isaiah likely might be a guy that, that Todd Monk can target as, you know, a player, a, a, a sort of complementary player, uh, in their skill position core that could see a bigger role. And I still think that that could be the case. I don't know. I'm kind of in wait and see mode as it, as it pertains to the running backs actually getting involved, involved more in the passing game, because as you mentioned, that's not a big part of Lamar Jackson's game because I mean, look, you know, he would rather take off and run in the obvious passing situations than dump it off to a running back. So I don't know. I'm kind of in wait and see mode on that at the same time remaining very optimistic about Todd Monken and this Ravens offense. Pat Thorman pointed out that under Greg Roman's watch, the old OC, 
the Ravens were consistently one of the slowest teams in the league. I don't think they're all of a sudden going to be one of the fastest teams in the league, but just getting maybe into you know the the middle of the road, like that's going to increase their play their play volume significantly and help their fantasy production. Yeah, totally agree. I think it's kind of fake news on the running back in the pass game stuff. We hear that every year. That is not the type of player that Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, or Gus Edwards are. The play, the pace stuff, though, you can see it, man. I mean, Lamar Jackson, the way he played in college, Todd Monken, some of those college offense that he coordinated played super, super fast. I can see them playing really fast and elevating their plays run this year. One more note from Ravens OTAs. Rashad Bateman needed a quarter zone shot in his foot. Remember, Rashad Bateman is only seven months removed from Liz Frank's surgery. I'm sure guys get quarter zone shots all the time. It's not a big deal. I've actually had one personally in my foot, which makes you know that it's really not a big deal at all. That said, he's still only seven months removed from Liz Frank, and I think people were kind of glossing over that. I prefer Zay Flowers at this point mm. over Rashad Bateman, but um, if you told me Rashad Bateman was 100% healthy, I'd probably prefer Bateman. So that's one just to keep an eye on there on the Bateman versus Flowers stuff. Yeah, um, another player that uh, Jeff Rebeck mentioned as a riser at uh, at early Ravens uh, workouts is uh, Nelson Aguilar, and he's like their insurance policy, I think, for Rashad Bateman. Yeah. All right. Steelers camp, there's a lot of Jalen Warren hype out there, man. And, like, it's hard for me to fully get my head around it because you use a first-round pick on Najee Harris – he Najee Harris held up the big workloads very, very well. He has not been very explosive, but I think Najee Harris has been fine. Though, you know, beat writer speculation is that there's no way Matt Canada can keep Jalen Warren off the field as much as he did last year. Jalen Warren was efficient as a runner last year, 77 carries at 4.9 yards per carry. He also caught 28 balls despite only playing 342 snaps. Last year, Najee got 763 snaps. I think that can get closer, but I just don't know that it will because they have so much invested in Najee, I still like late round picks though on Jalen Warren. There's a lot of ways it can work out for him. What do you think about Warren versus Najee this year? Yeah, I also like Jalen Warren in the 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 late rounds because I mean you look at the rest of the depth chart and it's like Jason Huntley and Anthony McFarland and you know a bunch of undrafted guys. So I think that Jalen Warren does have a secure role. I think see, I think that that split that they had last year, I mean, Jalen Warren played a significant role last year that was like one of the bigger themes that we talked about mm -hmm. as the season progressed 20 catches is a, is a good number for a number two back uh maybe he could get closer to 100 carries but I, I think that Najee Harris is going to still be the pretty clear 1a and Jalen Warren is going to be the the breather back the change of pace guy um, and I think that the, the split will be probably more similar uh than the, these beat writers have been alluding to okay also out of Steelers I think the best case for Allen Robinson is that he's going to be a full-time slot player now. Last season, last two seasons, only 29% of Allen Robinson's slots came in the snaps came out of the slot. That's going to bump to like 80% in Pittsburgh because both Pickens and Deontay Johnson play outside. Now, does that mean I want to bet on Allen Robinson as the third wide receiver, the slot man for Kenny Pickett? I don't know about that, but in some draft rooms, I mean, he lasts for a long time because no one wants to pick this guy. So Evan, any takes on Allen Robinson as a slot player now for Kenny Pickett? So Allen Robinson began his career in Jacksonville as like primarily a perimeter player. And when he went to Chicago and he was playing really well under Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy sort of used him a little bit like Michael Thomas and he was productive in the slot. And 
Um, last year, he was like an, an outside receiver with the Rams, you know, and he and he was completely unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it makes sense for them to give him a, a look in the slot. I think that Calvin Austin, uh, the second year player, uh, fourth round pick last year, poses some threat to Allen Robinson being the Steelers third receiver. Um I'm willing to take 18th round shots on Allen Robinson. He's often there, like regularly there in the 18th round as my like wide receiver eight. Um, he definitely could be washed, but I think that him playing in the slot gives him the best opportunity to pay back that ADP. He just, the, the cost is so low. I, I don't mind taking him. Yeah, I mean, the receivers he goes around on underdog is like Richie James and Corey Davis. You know, I mean, you're not you're not asking a lot for Allen Robinson to um, contribute when he's competing against those kind of guys. Speaking of late round contributions, Luke Musgrave immediately was handed the first team reps working with the first team offense at Packers camp. And, I, you know, I always think it's at least notable when rookies get the first team reps at OTAs because typically veterans get the nod whether they've earned it or not. Luke Musgrave, though, had no one to compete with. There's like no, there's Josiah DeJura is still on the team. But besides that, there's like no one on the Packers for Luke Musgrave to compete with. So not a surprise he got the first round picks. We're talking about, um, you know, these late round tight ends, Musgrave, uh, Evans boy, Michael Mayer, Trey McBride. They all go around 200th overall. And like, I'm willing to take shots there because, man, especially in best ball, you know, like a one touchdown in week 17 from a tight end could be all the difference in the world. It's unlikely that some dusty wide receiver actually counts for you in week 17. So anyways, I'm interested in these guys, Evan, any Luke Musgrave takes now that we know he's getting the first team reps in camp. Yeah. And I think that Josiah DeGuara, who is the the holdover kind of veteran is really more of like an H back type. He's going to play some special teams. Um, Luke, Mus Luke Musgrave has like some explosive ability uh, at tight end. I think that Tucker Craft, you know, they doubled down on tight ends in this year's draft. They took Luke Musgrave in the second, mm -hmm. Tucker Craft in the third out of uh, uh, South Dakota State. Tucker Craft actually might pose more of a threat to Luke Musgrave than uh, Josiah DeGuara. So I don't know. This is a situation I think is going to shake out. How good is this passing offense really going to be with Jordan Love? Um, I think Luke Musgrave is a fine tight end three, tight end four. In the, in the 17th or 18th round. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how he comes along in training camp and preseason. Michael Mayer or Luke Musgrave, Evan? Who do you prefer? Michael Mayer. I mean, Michael Mayer's got to deal with Austin Hooper, uh, you know, who's a, a proven veteran. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, you know, I think that Michael Mayer is better than Luke Musgrave. Yep. All right. Bears camp. Uh, not that this is that important because I don't think any, too many people care about the Bears number three wide receiver, nor they should. However, Chase Claypool, you know, there was a report from the radio in there that said, all I can tell you is that it isn't trending in the way the Bears have wanted to trend this offseason. And that is on Chase Claypool. I don't think he's going to push DJ Moore or Darnell Mooney for any kind of target share, any kind of snaps. They also drafted Tyler Scott. And I actually think we'll see a lot more two tight end stuff from the Bears with Cole Komet and Big Bob Tunyon. So I know Chase Claypool, they traded a second round pick for him, which turned out to be a very, very valuable pick. But man, just doesn't seem like a guy that teams coaches like and i don't particularly want to make a bet on him in the late rounds now any comments on bears pass game and claypool yeah unfortunately that's one of the moves that ryan pace has made so far maybe the only move that i would like significantly disapprove of i mean i thought it was kind of rough at, at first and it turned out to be really rough and now it's looking even rougher 
Um, Chase Claypool has a lot of talent. I mean, he's like a 98th percentile spark athlete. He had a, a really big final season uh, at Notre Dame, and he had a promising start to his career in Pittsburgh, but he's just kind of shaping up as an enigmatic underachiever, and he's not really someone that I want any part of uh, at this point in, in fantasy drafts. I have been taking quite a bit of DJ Moore. Not, I, I think that there's, um, and I, I didn't think that I would be, but I think where he's been lasting in drafts, there's been enough negative rhetoric from the rest of the, uh, the fantasy community on DJ Moore because of, you know, the pass volume concerns, which that's a real concern. Um, but I think that Justin Fields can take a step as a, uh, as a passer this year, potentially really big step. I, I, I like what they've done in the offensive line, particularly. And I've been getting a, a decent amount of DJ Moore. Yeah. I, I've been slow to pull the trigger where he goes at 47. He's going going 47 overall. If he gets into that like 55, 60 range, I'm more than happy to take DJ Moore. I think 47 overall is a little steep for me on DJ Moore, but I hear you talented guy and, and certainly going to have plenty of opportunity there when they do throw the other bears thing I wanted to note was that Khalil Herbert got the first team running back reps at OTAs, but I would note Deontay Foreman sat out and this is going to be an open competition. I think between Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, and Roshan Johnson, we're slightly behind ADP on all three of these guys right now because, frankly, we don't even know who's going to win it. If you have a lot of conviction about who's going to get the work here, I think you could probably make some hay and create some value. I don't have strong conviction about Herbert versus Foreman uh, versus Roshan Johnson. Evan, any thoughts on this backfield as we come into OTAs? Yeah, I, I don't have any strong feelings right now because, as you mentioned, Deontay Foreman was not there. Roshan Johnson is a, a day three rookie. Um, Khalil Herbert has the veteran deference working in yeah. his favor. He's, you know, he's been in, uh, in the offense and he's good. I mean, Khalil Herbert, remember last year we were talking about how we kind of thought at times he's better than David Montgomery. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's an interesting backfield because I think they're going to have a really productive running game. Uh, I, I still think that Deontay Foreman is the favorite for carries there, but I, I don't, I would say that with not a ton of confidence. Speaking of not a ton of confidence, I talked about this Cam Akers stuff some on, on Market Monday, but I'm curious on your take, Evan. After everything Cam Akers went through last year, borderline looked like he was out of the league, comes back and rips off this amazing ending to his season, still only 23 years old. Comment from Sean McVay that caught headlines was, Cam Akers will be a central figure in our offense this year. Do you buy that after everything we saw last year? on Cam Akers. I do almost because like, what else are they going to do? Because Kieran Williams, second year running back out of Notre Dame, he weighs less than 200 pounds. You know, I think he's a theoretic type player. He's going to play some special teams. I know that they like him a lot, but I think he's a change of pace back at best. And uh, Zach Evans, who they drafted in the sixth round and they got, they're bringing back Ronnie Rivers. So that that's their backfield right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Cam Akers finished last season strong. He's, an uncomfortable draft selection, but if you're just you're, if you're talking about projected volume, yeah, he's going to end up being a dead zone running back for sure, right? He's going um, seven. He's going seventy second overall right now on Underdog. He's going high, much higher on. He's going like the fifties on FFPC. Yeah, that sounds about right because on FFPC they just draft running backs early. Right. Um, 
I, I took him the other day in an underdog draft. I, I didn't love it, but, you know, the, the projected volume is working in his favor because there's just such little competition with the Rams. I mean, the case for Akers, people are going to say, and I, I hate that people are going to do this, but every time there's like a middle slash later round running back that had talent and could have a three down roll, but people don't want to click him. People are going to say, oh, this is this year's Josh Jacobs, right? This year's Josh Jacobs is Cam Akers because no one wants to click him. He's a veteran running back. He could end up with a three down roll. As I said on Market Monday, I, I don't have a strong take on Akers right now. And typically when I don't have a strong take on a running back in this range, I just pass. So we'll see what happens with Kim Akers, but that could end up looking bad if he really does. And if Stafford stays healthy and he ends up as a three down back. One more uh, small one that I wanted to get your take on. There's been a ton of Elijah Moore hype coming out of Brown's camp. Ton of it. Do you buy that? There's certainly a competition there. And they've also been linked to DeAndre Hopkins. And because see, they've been linked to DeAndre Hopkins some, that has backed me off a little bit on taking Elijah Moore because I think that would hurt him pretty significantly. Do you buy the Elijah Moore hype right now, Evan? Um, I think he's a talented player, and then he could he could absolutely be looking really good in the pre-training camp activities. Uh, he's just been, you know, to use the term again, an enigmatic underachiever to this point in his career. Has kind of, you know, he kind of clashed with the coaching staff, it seemed like, with the Jets. I'm in wait and see mode on him. I think that if they were to acquire DeAndre Hopkins, which I think was a, a pretty hot rumor for a minute, they could move Amari Cooper inside and play Donovan Peoples-Jones on the perimeter opposite Hopkins. That would hurt Elijah Moore. Mm -hmm. uh, Cedric Tillman is a player that I know that a lot of smart people are on as a third-round rookie. I don't know. I, I'm in wait and see mode on this situation. Yeah, we're – behind market on Elijah Moore right now. His ADP through this hype has gotten steamed. I mean, mm -hmm. he's up to 87th overall on underdog is mm -hmm. Elijah Moore. That is very steep. We have him 103 right now uh, in our rankings. So yeah, I, it's just not the time for me to be taking Elijah Moore. Um, oh, I just wanted to note Mike Williams. Uh, we had some worries about his back, but I thought it was notable. He was at OTAs and practicing with the first team. You know, combine that with a more aggressive Chargers offense under Kellen Moore. We'll talk more about that next episode. And I think Mike Williams is a pretty safe guy right now in terms of health and scheme. One position battle I don't know if you've even thought about, but Cleo Shakir had a bunch of hype during during OTAs. And then it was Trent Sherfield. We haven't heard about Deontay Hardy, but these are the men that are currently battling for the third wide receiver job in Buffalo. Market right now uh, prefers to prefer Khalil Shakir. His ADP is 187. Sherfield goes 215. Deontay Hardy is not even getting drafted in most leagues. Any lean for you, Evan, on Bill's number three wide receiver, assuming they don't get DeAndre Hopkins? I think that Trent Sherfield, although, you know, he's another one of these undrafted guys that, like, you know, just no team has ever invested in him. So he's, you know, he's never stuck anywhere, even when he's played well. I mean, Kyle Shanahan really liked him in San Francisco. Uh, he made some plays behind um, Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill in Miami last year. I think he's kind of interesting. It's just I, I it's, it's hard to trust him because of the complete lack of investment. Um, Khalil Shakir, another guy. I mean, the Bills took him. You know, what, I think he was a fifth round pick. Uh, he got a little bit of run as a rookie. Didn't really do a whole lot. Deontay Hardy is just diminutive. I mean, he, he's a, he's really, really small, but he's explosive. Yeah. He's going to play in the return game. You know, he's their almost seemingly direct replacement for Isaiah McKenzie, who was a very similar player. Um, I, I, I think it's probably going to be a rotation 
not a whole lot of fantasy value coming out of it unless like one or two of the guys get hurt and then someone's thrust into a bigger role. I mean, the idea here by taking Dalton Kincaid in the first round is that you're going to play Knox and Kincaid well, together yeah. a lot, I think. And that's going to leave these guys off the field. My other concern with these guys is throughout their career, they've been really bad in targets per route run. I mean, even when they get out there and they run routes, they don't earn a lot of targets. So I comment with Evan, mostly passing here on those guys. The Sam Howell versus Jacoby Brissett uh, battle is an interesting one because a lot of people like Sam Howell as a sleeper. And there's a lot of guys on Washington that you can stack with late. The problem for me is that Ron Rivera is coaching for his job. And Jacoby Brissett was actually pretty decent last year. I mean, Jacoby Brissett had a 7.1 yards per attempt last year. He had a 60 QBR, which was eighth best in the entire league, 88.9 passer rating. Like, it's hard for me to really believe that Sam Howell actually gives the commanders a better chance to win than Jacoby Brissett. But all the reports out of OTAs and commanders is that they really, really want Sam Howell to run away with this job. What do you think for now, Evan, week one and beyond Howell versus Brissett? I think my analysis would be almost the exact same as yours. Uh, there's reason to believe that the commanders could win football games with, with Jacoby Brissett, but I think the organization prefers Sam Howell because of the upside factor. Um, and also I think that we as fantasy players should pre prefer Sam Howell because he's an athlete. He was pretty darn good for most of his career at North Carolina and we've kind of seen the, the Jacoby Brissett show, and it's not all that exciting from a box score standpoint. Certainly. I think they're both going to make starts this year. That's the bottom line. And like that, you know, I, I like taking shots on Howell late because there's some asymmetric stuff there. If he does play well, that will lead to him making more starts, you know? So like, you know, draft as if you're right stuff. So I, I still like the Howell stuff, but I think the base case, the most likely outcome is they both make starts this year. Giants wide receivers has been a mess at OTAs. Jalen Hyatt was with the third team. And again, I don't want to read too much into that because he is a rookie, but I thought it's notable because he was such a polarizing prospect was Jalen Hyatt coming out of that gimmicky offense at Tennessee. At OTAs, though, it was Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins out wide, Paris Campbell in the slot. That was the first team. Sterling Shepard did participate some, but he is coming off of that ACL. Wandale Robinson is behind him as well by two months in terms of his ACL tear. So Wandale might not even be ready for week one at this point. But yeah, there's a lot of guys here. I still think my favorite is probably Hodgins, but it's like real close between Hodgins, Slayton, and Paris. I talked about Mark and Monday while I've been mostly out on Jalen Hyatt. Evan, do you have a favorite Giants wide receiver that you like to take here so far? I've taken a little bit of Darren Waller and pretty much hands off when it comes to the wide receiver position. Jalen Hyatt was a big name. Um, you know, he played in the SEC. He scored five touchdowns against Alabama. Um, you know, he's got vertical speed. He had first-round buzz uh, for most of the draft process. But I think that the league showed that they're they're skeptical of Jalen Hyatt. And, I mean, I certainly think he was worth drafting in the third round. But, um, you know, I, I would say that, that reflects poorly on his chances of the fact that he fell that far reflects poorly on his chances of um, ma making an instant impact. And uh, I, I, you know, 17th, 18th round, but he usually goes before that because, you know, everyone knows his name. Yeah, his ADP is around 167. It was in the 150s as recently 
as last week. I, it's just cheap stacks, you know, but I don't feel good about any of them. My favorite, I think, is still Hodgins, but Paris and Slayton aren't too far behind as like those backdoor Danny Dime stacks. Obviously, I think we all expect Darren Waller to lead the Giants in targets and catches this year. Darren Waller's former team, the uh, Raiders, have a logjam at wider at slot wide receiver. And that's led to a lot of speculation that about trade rumors for Hunter Renfro. Reports I've read say they're still looking to trade Hunter Renfro, but they have found no takers yet. Not really a surprise to me. Maybe they'll find something in camp to dump Hunter Renfro or they could keep him. Now, Hunter Renfro goes outrageously late in drafts. He has some outs to staying with Las Vegas and winning that slot job. He also has outs to getting traded to a team who uses him. And honestly, I think this Jimmy Garoppolo foot issue has been overblown. I talked about this on Market Monday. His ADP sunk by like 30, 40 spots. I think the foot thing is going to be fine. I think the Raiders think it's going to be fine. I think it's most likely to be fine. So I like these backdoor Jimmy G stacks. I don't know about the Hunter Renfro stuff. Right. Evan, any thoughts on Raiders pass game right now? Yeah, I think that Jimmy G um, is a, a completely fine uh, quarterback three. Well, a really good quarterback three. Yeah. Uh, and and you know you could do worse than taking him super late as your as your quarterback too. Um, Hunter Renfro, I want no part of really. I, I don't think that the the coaching staff right now with the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, kind of a play favorites coach. You know, trust the guys that he knows. And we saw how Hunter Renfro was used last year, and, and it wasn't very much when he was healthy. So uh, and now and they have Jacoby Myers, who is you know a. a a slot possession receiver, and that's essentially the possession the, the position that Hunter Renfro plays as well. So um, I think Jacoby Myers is a fine pick. I think that you know Devontae Adams is still a pretty strong pick. Uh, I don't I don't really have any interest in uh, in Hunter Renfro. Okay. Last couple of things I want to talk about this undrafted free agent Daenerik Price that the Chiefs took running back, reportedly a good bet to make the 53-man roster. I don't really have a take there other than everybody thinks that they found the next Isaiah Pacheco when in reality, it's so rarely actually happens. Any takes on this kid, Evan Daenerik Price? Yeah, I mean, I looked him up and he's um, the classic like college free agent that the Chiefs will take a shot on because uh, I know that they use a lot of analytics there and his measurables were really, really impressive. Um, so they'll just take a shot on that guy. You know, they'll give him a little signing bonus, bring him into pre-training camp activities and, and probably in a training camp and um, give him a shot. But uh, he, he wasn't very productive in college. He caught like 10 passes in his entire college career or something like that. So I, I think that it's bold for anybody to be saying that he's a good bet to make the team. Um you know, I don't know. He's a guy that I think in, in deep dynasty leagues, maybe you put at the end of your bench, but I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm i still yeah. skeptical that he's going to make the 53. Yeah, I think fake news and, and likely just yeah. one of these June AT, OTA stories. Speaking of fake news, last thing I want to talk about, Evan mentioned the uh, J.K. Dobbins not being at camp. Saquon Barkley is also threatening a holdout. I mean, this happens all the time with running backs, you know, are they treated unfairly? by the NFL, probably. Are they compensated correctly under the current parameters and replaceability and all that? Probably also. So I don't blame them for complaining at all. I think something needs to change at the running back position in terms of payouts and pay scale and guaranteed contracts and everything, but that's not the case now. And so Saquon and J.K. Dobbins can complain all they want. In the end, they don't have a lot of leverage. You know, Saquon can play for $10 million this year. 
or he can sit out, you know, and when you're a running back, like, I don't think he's going to sit out. So um, I would not be moving Saquon or JK Dobbins or any other running back who's complaining about their money. If they're under contract, um, I would not move them in the rankings at all. Evan, I assume you have a similar take there on the running back holdout threats. Yeah, super high on Saquon this year. I actually think that his ADP is too low. I mean, we're talking about, you know, guys in the top 15, and you can almost shuffle them any way you want. Um, But I'm going to stay really high on Saquon Barkley. J.K. Dobbins, I'm a little bit more worried about just because of his injury history and how he's out there. I mean, playing on one leg last year was unbelievable, some of the stuff that he was able to do. Um but, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I'm a little bit more worried about J.K. Dobbins. Haven't really been taking him in drafts. Okay. Yeah. I think there's reason to be worried about J.K. Dobbins, but I don't think it's this contract stuff. Like, nothing's going to – nothing's really going to be an issue there, I don't think. All right. Hope that was helpful to get you guys caught up on all of the quote-unquote news from OTAs and mini camps. We'll be back next episode to talk about late-round best ball picks we've been taking and we like stay tuned for that also be sure to subscribe to our youtube there's a ton of content on our youtube channel that does not hit this podcast feed i repeat it does not hit this podcast feed so be sure to check out our youtube hit the subscribe button there it is indeed free for evan for producer luke i'm adam good luck everybody (laughs) 